And time now for a midweek check of the latest COVID headlines. Here's vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel joins us here on Global News Radio. Doctor, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, we're going to start with today's breaking news that the land border with the U.S. will be opening up sometime next month. Do you think, Dr. Gorfinkel, that now is the right time? Well, it seems like it's pretty good to choose from. And the reason is because enough Canadians are vaccinated. You know, so it's pretty exciting that what's happening with that border is that we had opened our border to the U.S. residents, um, but Canada had not been welcomed the other way. So what, what this changes is that Canadians are now allowed to go into the U.S. without getting tested as long as there's proof of double vaccination. And what does that mean? If you've had two mRNA vaccinations, like two doses of Pfizer or two doses of Moderna, you're in good stead. What about AstraZeneca? You got two doses of AstraZeneca. You can now go into the U.S. as of sometime in early November. Not exactly now. We don't know the exact date, but sometime in early November, double vaxxed people will be allowed to go to the United States without getting tested. Okay, can I ask you, sorry, about mixed doses? Because that is a big question a lot of people are uh, asking. If you've had two Astra, you're good. If you've had two Pfizer, you're okay. But what if you've had one Astra, one Pfizer? Are you going to be admitted? Do we know? And what about if I've had two different mRNA vaccines? Is that considered mixed uh, doses or is that considered, uh, you know, just uh, fully vaccinated? Great question. And that remains to be seen. Mixing vaccines applies to nearly 4 million Canadians. So it's a huge group of us who've had been double vaxxed, but with different Things. So it could be AstraZeneca along with a messenger RNA vaccine or two messenger RNA vaccines. The word is that they will accept two different messenger RNA vaccines, but we have to keep our ear close to the ground to find out what the final recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control out of the United States will recommend. All right. Are you anticipating that we're going to see an increase in COVID cases, uh, certainly here in Canada, north of the border, maybe even south of the border, now that the land crossings are open? Or do you think that there's enough people fully vaccinated that uh, the caseload, uh, a rising caseload will be negligible? I've been so humbled by trying to guess these things. As long as we're letting fully vaccinated people in, I would think the risk would be minimized. Understand we're trying to balance the risks with the harms of not letting them in, of having closed the border, of keeping family members away from family members. Remember, we're talking about non-essential travel here. It's not essential travel, but that said, I think it's a pretty pretty reasonable guess. If you look at case counts, today our case counts are are at a super low level here in Ontario. So it's an exciting time. So let's just hope. You can never know with certainty. This will go on for some time. You mentioned loved ones a moment ago, and I've had a couple of people email me ever since this was announced, uh, you know, kind of late last night that the land border will be reopening. And they're wondering, Dr. Gorfinkel, if they go for, for a day trip and they come back and they want to see a loved one in long-term care, they're always asked at the door whether or not uh, you've traveled anywhere in the last uh, 14 days. If you go over for, say, a shopping trip or for dinner, a day trip uh, over the border, come back, are you all of a sudden not going to be able to get in, do we know, to see your loved one in long-term care? You know, what's interesting is that this depends on the individual institution to decide. 
So we don't have any provincial guidelines on what must be done in situations like this. And that's actually a public health issue, if you ask me, because we're better off to have one system. But what we have are various siloed systems that depends on the individual institution. So the best bet is just check with that institution prior to traveling so that you know what you're getting yourself into when you get back. All right. Finally, just on this, what is your advice to those that are considering maybe a day trip or they're a snowbird and they're going to head over with the land crossing with their vehicle, spend some time in the States? What is your best advice for those that are going to cross the border? Remember that the vaccines are not perfect when it comes to preventing mild to moderate disease. That's where we're really seeing the breakthrough infections coming on. You know, so a recent study, this is by the Institute of Clinical Evaluative Sciences, just out of here from Sunnybrook. They're suggesting that the vaccines are pretty good. They're not perfect, but they're still pretty good, around 81% efficacy a number of months after getting the shot. So this is eight months after getting two messenger RNA vaccines. And so that's that's pretty good. But understand, that does give a bit of a foothold, especially if somebody's older, somebody who's received the vaccine more than that, like, you know, eight months ago, it it doesn't leave a foothold for the breakthrough infection to happen. And that's, that's a big concern. So right now, these individuals, for the most part, are not getting a booster shot here in Canada. So we do have to wear masks. And that's hard to do when you're in, say, Florida, and a lot of people are not necessarily wearing masks and restaurants are wide open. Joined to the line by vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Another big headline today when it comes to COVID is the opening of the Scotiabank Arena. It's the Leafs season opener tonight. Full capacity will be allowed. In similar, I guess, to what I just asked you about the land border crossing, what is your best advice to those that are maybe going to the game tonight or, you know, people that are thinking about maybe attending a game in the not too distant future and might feel a little anxious about going into an indoor setting with 18,000 plus. 18,000 plus. Think about that number. But in, you know, I have to hand it to them. They really thought long and hard about how to manage it. It's a touchless system. People get their tickets digitally. It's a touchless system when they come, it's scanned. And they've opened all the gates to allow people to go in without you know, congregating with other people. So all of that is in place. People have to be double vaxxed at least two weeks out of their last vaccine just to get into the game. So masks, everybody has to be masked unless they're eating or drinking food. And it has to be the triple ply mask. They're not allowing gators. They're they're really trying to run the extra 10 miles to ensure that it opens and it opens safely. I deeply respect all of the changes they're making because they're they're trying to set the stage for absolutely minimizing infections. You know, so is it going to work out? Probably not perfectly. But is it a good thing that it's opening now? Listen, our case numbers are lower than they've been in a long, long time. It seems a reasonable decision to me. And is this, yeah, another example of, uh, we've heard people from time to time say, this is why I'm vaccinated, why I'm fully vaxxed, double vaxxed, so we can kind of get on with life. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a feather in the cap. It's definitely a carrot as opposed to the stick. Finally, we're allowed to move on. There is no question that vaccination plays a huge role in in returning to normalcy. It's not the only thing though. And we have to bear that in mind that countries that have let their, their guard too soon 
have paid a tremendous price for that, especially because of Delta, you know, thousand times the viral load, contagious two days more than the previous variants. So we've got to take that pretty seriously and use mitigation along with it. All right, since we are talking about the Leafs and their home opener, season opener tonight at Scotiabank Arena, I want to go to the West Coast and talk about the Canucks here briefly uh, with you because one of their players, Brandon Suter, he will miss the start of the season, Dr. Gorfinkel, because he's suffering from long-haul COVID. And just wondering, how surprising is it that a young professional athlete, I think he's 32 in his early 30s, obviously, you know, an NHL uh, hockey player in peak physical uh, condition, how surprising is it that he is struggling with COVID? And what is the message for the rest of us? It's, it's very concerning. I mean, does it come as big news? Not really. You know, all of the scorecards were keeping track of the number of deaths, hospitalizations, you know, but a number of cases. But we weren't keeping careful track of how many individuals wound up getting so-called long COVID. This is defined as symptoms lasting longer than one month after diagnosis. And it's a serious problem because it is a multi-system disease. So we're talking about loss of smell, loss of taste, fever, chills and sweats, people who continue to experience fatigue and yet cannot sleep at night. So these are, these are very serious problems. Right now, we think that number is around 10% of all individuals affected. There's some data coming out of England that suggests kids may be affected even more. They looked at kids 11 to 17 and found that as many as one in seven children were infected with long COVID. They were having symptoms. This includes brain fog, trouble concentrating in school. So it's a potentially serious problem. I can tell you from my own practice, deeply concerning. These individuals often have multiple specialists involved. They've got their respirologists, they've got their cardiologists, you know, they're short of breath, they're really tired, they may have mood problems. So it's a, it's a serious problem. All right, we got to get a break, but when we come back, more with Dr. Gorfinkel, including can a $1 device, a device that costs a loony, could it actually help detect covid in our sewer systems. We'll talk to Dr. Gorfinkel about that next here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 